0: I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J Worlds Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Reading. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits. A very special guest joins me here on the latest edition of the J Reels podcast as I have Action Network's Maria Marino. For those who are familiar and especially who live in the Northeast, that name may ring a bell because she was on SNY for the last five years, the network of the New York Mets. But now as she pivots to go to this network where she's becoming a studio host and being one of the top lead dogs as far as that network is concerned, we'll talk about her entire broadcasting journey. Pretty much from high school all the way to where she is today, her biggest influences in life, whether it be personal or professional. We get into the rise of women's college basketball, a little bit into that Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark controversy, going back to the final four, as well as the power of P words. That's right. We even get into that as we get a little spiritual and discuss how some of these P words are powerful to say the least. So we'll get into all that and then some. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. She was definitely a bright light, a lot of passion, a lot that she had to say. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. So without further ado, here's my discussion with Maria Marino and I'll see you on the other side. For starters, Maria, thank you so much for participating being a part as a guest here on this podcast so for starters i have to ask considering that now you've pivoted from one network to another which we'll get to later on but i'm curious to know about you getting into this business even prior to that what sparked a passion or even a fire for you to want to get into the journalism business or even to the point where you're where you're at now where you're a studio host on a major network so kind of walk kind of walk us through That whole scenario.
1: Well, there are two parts of it. The first one was just understanding that I'm a storyteller and being interested in journalism. And that happened when I was a junior in high school. I Hmm. took a journalism class and just really had a knack for it. I always liked writing. I always felt like I was a communicator. And um, that class was really the first light bulb moment of like, wow, this is something I could see myself pursuing as a career down the road. Uh, so that's kind of what sparked that going into college. I knew, and, and, you know, not everybody knows when they're going into college, like what they want to do. And it's totally okay if you don't, but I was just lucky enough that I found something that I was passionate about that. I also felt like I had a knack for that I could pursue, um, in a professional realm. So I majored in, Uh, communications and journalism. I actually started at a community college in New Jersey, Sussex County community, which happened to have a very good radio and TV program. So prior to that, I mostly did writing, um, but I also enjoyed the conversations. I enjoyed um, the face-to-face interactions with people that I was interviewing. I always felt like I had a Um, I, I wasn't scared of public speaking. And Mm. so I think that kind of naturally gravitated me toward the radio TV side of things, uh, transferred to Ramapo college. That's where I finished my bachelor's degree and just kind of went from there. And I had a lot of different experiences throughout college where, um, it kind of set me up to be able to do this, um, professionally. And it wasn't an overnight thing. It Mm. definitely took time, um, you know, I always say I got my full, first full-time job when I was 29 years old, which people people like go, oh, hmm. but like if you're in this industry, you kind of know that you're going to be um, probably working a lot of part-time and freelance jobs and side hustles um, until you can sort of get on your feet. So uh, one aspect was, was the journalism aspect. The other was the type of content that I wanted to do. So... Mm-hmm. I always really liked sports and a lot of my experiences in school, like um, I was a, a local a high school sports writer for a paper near where I grew up. Um, there was a like a local like access television station that I did, you know, high school football games, reporting, things like that. Um, and I, so I liked sports, but like I didn't necessarily think it was that realistic Mm. So I didn't really pursue it that hard at first. It wasn't until later that I actually felt like, you know, I can, like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for the sports thing.
0: Well, that's interesting. So knowing that from high school, when you were writing, you know, it's yeah. not as if maybe when you were a little girl, whether, yeah. now, I don't know if you have brothers or let's say yeah. your dad was a big Yankee fan or a Mets yeah. fan and he's yelling and screaming at the TV. And then you just kind of gravitated to that because that's what you knew growing up. It was a thing where, Once you started writing in college or in high school and you were able to uh, maybe gravitate to sports could be a little bit too strong. But when you started going in that trajectory, all of a sudden it was like, hey, the light bulb went off and getting into sports was that difficult, even though you did like it. But knowing that obviously between the history and so much that's involved was a little bit intimidating to go that route or was it just a natural progression to say, hey, this is what I want to pursue. This is what I want to go. And I'm just going to reach for the stars in this process.
1: Well, a couple of things. I mean, growing up, I, as I kind of alluded to, I was a sports fan. Um, I, you know, my, uh, my dad was definitely screaming at the TV, usually at the Giants, big Giants fan. Um, And I I followed it a good amount. Um, I was a big basketball fan. My older siblings uh, were Duke fans. So, I mean, I would... When I was in high school I would like print out the the schedule of all the games I would watch every game on TV so like I was into it I just I, I didn't see like I'm like how, like how 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 could how do I make sports you know a part of the career but I was kind of led there in a natural organic way um I I had a job working at a radio station in New Jersey which is now um I believe they closed. Uh it was like mm. a local radio station called WGHT and I was doing local news reporting and anchoring so I was going to like, you know, municipal meetings and you know, just like community events things like that doing stories and loved it, but around that time a couple of buddies of mine from high school were doing a sports podcast like for mm. fun and they asked me to come on and I loved it and it was super fun and right you know, I was giving my sports opinions. And then before I knew it became like sort of a weekly thing. And I was like, you know, I can do this. I, you know, I, I, I have a unique ability, I think, to have a bit of confidence and, and to share sort of my takes and um to understand, to understand sports. And, you know, at that time I was obviously younger, I was um, probably mid twenties and, so i didn't necessarily understand what i was getting to into at the time but i did know that i could handle it and um by that experience with the with the radio station uh ga- it gave me the ability to create a demo which um i used for a job opening at Sirius XM mm. where they had a sports anchor job um and luckily they brought me in and they gave me a shot. And that was kind of my first like real taste of the sports media industry in like a legitimate sense. You know, like I said, I had done other odd jobs and local stuff, but like, this was like, okay, I'm in New York. I'm at like a a bigger company. And, and I think I was intimidated at first just because you asked me like, was it difficult to get into? It was because I felt like I was, not necessarily my foundation of knowledge in sports was general it was not to the level of my co-workers who most of them were much older than me most of them had b- been following sports their whole lives and even I felt like even the guys that I I did the little podcast with from my high school like it's just different you know growing up I like sports but they I mean they it was like eat sleeping and breathing they watched every game. They knew everything. So it was like, I had to kind of keep up. And Mm. so those first few months at Sirius XM, I definitely felt like I needed to, I had to get some homework. I really needed to like, just brush up on a lot of things. And I did. I mean, I, I studied a lot. I just, I just absorbed everything. I listened to sports radio every day. I listened to as many different things. I, I watched as many documentaries as I could. Like, I really tried to make sure I was Every day, following the news, reading up, making sure I got a good understanding and foundation, um, which I believe is um, has served me because I always am have tried to be prepared for anything I do.
0: No, and that's terrific because I'm one that, as I mentioned earlier, prior to the start of this recording, being 54 years old, and of course, sports is in my DNA. And it's one of those things where especially in this day and age where where there's tons of podcasts, so many platforms that people, I think, are just prisoners of the moment that everything like sports didn't start until 2010 or what have you. So if you go back, let's say, even to the 80s and baseball leading into the steroid era, et cetera, it's one of those things where if you go back that far, it's almost it's not cool to even get into. And I can only imagine Like you mentioned with the podcast that you did where these guys were just immersed in sports and that gave you the, I don't want to say incentive, but that was something that you knew right away that, Hey, if I'm going to be serious in this business, I'm going to have to go full bore on knowing all this. So that is something that I commend you because so many people just look at sports as right now, the NBA, it's all about LeBron, the Lakers, or football. It's all about the Cowboys or uh, Patrick Mahomes where, You could sit down and obviously have a discussion about, oh, no, we could talk about your dad being a Giant fan, going back to the 86 Giants or whatever. So that's a testament to you and being able to absorb a lot of that knowledge over the years.
1: Well, thank you. I mean, I do feel like when I started, there was definitely a bit of a gap. I was definitely more knowledgeable in current events, current sporting events than I was, the history of it. But I've gotten at this point, I think, enough of um, a background and I also like, I'm not afraid to listen. You know, I that's important. Don't, I don't claim to know everything, and I really just try to listen as much as I can. And at times, when I have questions, I go and find the answers um, so that, you know, I have context. To me, context is everything, and not just for my own understanding, but for the job that I do when I'm presenting to a show audience. Like, I want to make sure that they have a, a full grasp of whatever the story is, whatever the topic is, because you mentioned being a prisoner of the moment. And I do think that's something that um, people struggle with today with social media and the method by which we uh, learn of stories is so incomplete. Like when we scroll Instagram or Twitter and we get a certain number of characters or a video that's under a minute, um, or a caption or even a lot of times it's just a graphic with a quote and we have no understanding off the top of what else was said in that quote you know what was the what were the circumstances of how this person was asked the, the framing of the question that they were asked mm-hmm. um, and people are so quick to react before they really want to do the work and find out the whole story so I really try to like when I see something that I am like huh like something that grabs my attention before I form any sort of opinion on it. I mean, I might have my initial gut reaction, but right. I need to go find out more. I need to find out, okay, you know, what are the circumstances behind this? Um, and, and the details because I, I am not a fan of sort of these quick trigger, um, you know, drastic reactions because it, it it's, I think it's damaging. I think oh, it it's, you know, I think it's damaging in a lot of ways for, you know, whoever the subject matter is, and also the people that are absorbing it. Like, I I think media literacy is something that's so important. And now with social media, that's a huge, huge aspect of it.
0: Absolutely. And it's all about the clickbait material. It's all about just trying to yeah. get out their headline or get out their story before anybody else. And there's no credibility behind it. And that's one of the things I get it with the world that we live in with social media and people like myself who are trying to make a name. It's like, yeah. Oh, what could I do to upset the apple cart? Or what could I do to get my name out? And people will go ahead and take those drastic measures or routes. And then of course, in the long run, it's not going to pan out. So that's also a kudos to you. And now that I think about it, I know you mentioned Sirius XM. So that was after Ramapo college, correct?
1: Yes, but there was like a few years in between there, you know. Wow. Um like I I it wasn't as if I sort of graduated college and just, you know, got a a job in this industry. It was um, you know, I think there were it was like a year and a half or so I worked and like an in-house media job at a resort which was really funny. I was actually wow. like a snow reporter. Uh-huh. Uh they call it so I grew up near like a ski mountain and like golf resort. Um and I, so I worked in their like marketing department and, huh. you know, so I would do blogs, I would do YouTube videos. I would interview like if they had special guests there and I really learned a lot. I edited my own videos. I shot everything myself. Um, so I got great experience. And then, then it was like a a little period of like, okay, what am I doing with my life? Um, mm-hmm. You know, where, like, cause again, it's, it's it's nothing as straightforward in this industry. It, it's uh, for the most part, it's, it's really like a a roundabout path i think for most people and that's something that's um you need to either accept or you need to be like you know maybe this isn't for me or um w- you know whatever <laughs> but yeah. um <laughs> yeah so like it was it was definitely a, a few years in between and um i've i've talked about this recently like so I, I talked about the the local radio job which was WGHT mm-hmm. that to me I didn't really know it at the time but that was kind of a break for me
0: mm-hmm. and even
1: though I was part-time and making $12 an hour I loved the gig it gave me so much great experience it taught me so much great like news judgment and just my skills on the air like that um, was really important and if, if it were not for that gig I wouldn't have got hired at Sirius XM sure. and if it weren't for Sirius XM I would not have gotten into a situation where I could start to network and networking is it's crucial yes. um and so it was that that's where I started to network and that's where the other doors started to open
0: and then, interestingly enough from Sirius did you go to SNY, or was there a matter of I guess months or time between going from satellite radio to now network TV
1: so even even being at Sirius XM, it was it was a part time thing. So I was I would work there probably about three days a week, um, sometimes more, whatever. Um, and through there, I learned of other opportunities. I started working, uh, you know, once or twice a week at NBC Sports Radio at the time um, and then eventually uh, a network called FNTSY, which is now Sports Grid. And there was a period of two or three years where I was working at all three of those jobs at the same time, in mm-hmm. addition to any other freelance ops or one-off opportunities that would come up. So um, all told, I was at XM for a few years, but not just at, at Sirius. Mm-hmm. And um, I think probably the... Like I said, it's called FNTSY now Sports Grid. That was the first, like, on camera, regular on camera gig I had where I was getting reps in front of the camera multiple days a week, doing different segments. And um, that's definitely, I think, what provided me with the content to um, be a build a reel and to uh, sort of catch the eye of SNY. And then, um, and then that my next chapter was at SNY.
0: All right, before we get into that, so when you were at Sirius, what did uh, what was your format? What type of uh sports talk did you do? Then? So
1: I tried to do as many different things as I could, but the first what I got hired to do was um like update anchor, sports update anchor. So um, but they have so many different channels, you know, they had oh, yeah. Mad Dog Sports Radio, and I also did updates for um, NBA radio, MLB network radio, um, NFL radio. So depending on the shift, I was doing a lot of different things, which was great. It was forcing me to become well-rounded and and understand everything that was going on and like really all the major sports. And I started to develop a personality and, and build rapport with some of the other, like for some of the hosts, so I started doing regular segments. I started pitching segments. Um, I had a segment on NBA radio called Maria's Court, uh, which was kind of like a judge type of a segment where like the two hosts would argue and I would settle the argument, and make right. my verdict, um, yeah. which was really fun. <laughs> I pitched them uh, weekly WNBA segments, which I did hmm. for a season. Um, and then as far as like, you know, if I was anchoring on Mad Dog Radio, I I developed I think chemistry with some of the hosts where they would just bring me on for different segments and we would just talk about uh, whatever. And I would I would try to as as much as I could. I would say, hey, like if you ever need someone to come on, like I'll come on. I start, right. so I started kind of weaseling my way into more airtime besides <laughs> just the updates. And yeah. at that time, you know media companies were really starting to dig in digitally and make, you know, be multi-platform, create content that could live beyond just, you know, on the air, but to, but to live online. And so I started kind of trying to take advantage of that and say, Hey, like I can go do an interview, you know, here, I can host a, you know, like a quick like video short, like really anything I could think of, I would try to put in front of people and, um, so I, uh, so yeah, that was basically what I did <laughs> at Sirius.
0: No, and that's interesting too, because I'll get to the reporting part in a second, but when you go from Sirius to the, I'll say it's just fantasy, because I know it's FN. I've, have like, yeah. What, what the equal letters yeah, were.
1: fantasy. Yeah. Yes.
0: And then of course, to Sny. Now I understand it was gradual. I understand you got some reps there in between, but was there, I don't want to go as far as saying, was it intimidating, but was it, a big adjustment for you knowing that, all right, I'm in front of a microphone, but obviously not with a camera in front of me to the point where now I have the camera in front of me, the lights are on. Oh, geez. Uh, Mm -hmm. how is this going to go from the start leading from fantasy network over to SNY, Was it a big adjustment or not?
1: I think maybe at first I had some nerves, but that was more so because I knew it was a really big opportunity and I wanted to make sure I executed it. It wasn't, uh, you know, the lights and the the network didn't necessarily um, intimidate me once I did my first one or two shows. I think that was kind of out the window. Um, I think I, I think I naturally felt comfortable in front of the camera from before that. And my experience just gave me confidence. Like I, I just felt um, at that time I had enough experience that I knew that as long as I prepared, like I always do and um, it w- could be myself, then I would win over, you know, the the other people I was working with and hopefully the audience along with it. And um, so, yeah, I do recall the first time I was booked on SNY and being very nervous in the lead up. Mm. But again, it was more just like, OK, don't blow this. Um, but r- really after that first show, I felt very good. And, um, and then I started appearing regularly and it was off, you know?
0: Right. And you were there for how long? Five years?
1: Almost five years. Um, four years full-time.
0: And full-time you were pretty much a, I don't want to say jack of all trades, but of course you were a studio host. You were also a reporter. Yeah. And- you wore all those hats, so I'm curious to find out which one did you enjoy more. I'm sure you enjoyed it, and it's yeah kind of hard to choose, but I'm wondering which one that uh, really
1: – I enjoyed the variety. I definitely like switching things up, so I liked that I could do studio hosting. I liked that I could go out in the field and report on events in person. Um, I also got to do uh, a betting show for four NFL seasons every Sunday, which I loved. Wow. And, um, I think that's kind of played into what I'm doing now, but just to answer your question, um, I think a role that I definitely became associated with was covering UConn women's basketball. Mm-hmm. And I particularly enjoyed that number one, just cause I'm a big hoops gal, like basketball is just my favorite sport to cover and talk about. Right. I was covering a legendary program. Um, you know, one of the best ever across any sport and just seeing those athletes up close, being around the coaches, um, it was very cool. I never took it for granted. And also I became, um, really invested in the women's game because, um, when I first started covering WNBA back in like 2018 or so, I, really enjoyed it and really loved it and just as much as I loved watching nba and i was just kind of um at the time taken aback by some of the social media conversation around it which was negative and i hated that and so i wow. wanted to make sure that i did a good job in um reporting on it in a way and showcasing it in the same way i would uh the men's game and i would say that on the positive side like that social media conversation has been shifting quite a bit. And, um, and so right now in 2023, it's at a much better place and there's, you know, a lot more respect for the WNBA for just women's basketball in general. And, but that's, but I think that, um, particular niche has been a part, uh, a significant part of my journey.
0: Right, and it's interesting. I'm going to ask you a – I don't want to say a tough question, but considering coming off of the great Final Four that we've seen on the women's side and the whole – I don't know if you want to call it a controversy with Caitlin Clark. But to ask you, did you think what you did was wrong, right? Did you feel like, hey, it was just the competitive nature of what she was doing going back to the Elite Eight game, I know, with Louisville, and then, of course, waving off the South Carolina guards, and then we saw what happened there in the championship game, which I guess karma – came back to bite her in the rear end, but how did you feel about, how was your assessment of all that? Did you feel that maybe she was out of line or did you feel like, hey, that was just the the nature of the game and uh, unfortunately it got her in the end?
1: I mean, I don't, first of all, I don't think that, I don't think that Caitlin Clark um, or Angel Reese should be sort of viewed as if they like screwed up in any way. I think that they are both, big winners coming out of this tournament. They are big winners for the eyeballs they've drawn to the game for how well they played the game, um, for their ability, just their sheer skill, their athleticism. And I think their personalities are sort of icing on that whole cake. Um, and I think regardless of how you feel about, uh, you know, trash talking or showboating, Right. Um, you are still talking about the sport and I think that's exciting and we've seen sort of like this unprecedented amount of social media conversation about it which I think is just kind of good timing for everything else that has lined up in women's basketball as far as we've seen now for a few seasons uh, viewership going up and up and up and we've seen um, increased media coverage in general, which has helped, and um, we've we've just been been seeing all of this great momentum around the sport. So I'm okay with it happening. Um, it's not my personal favorite. Um, I'm kind of like a. You know, I I was thinking about this and and I don't know exactly how I would be because obviously most of us have never been anywhere close to a situation like that where you're playing a game. And I think that's part of what bothers me sometimes about people and their judgment, because these are young women or young men that are in a situation that most of us could never fathom. And we're, yeah, we're very quick to judge. And I understand that they they are public figures. And so they are um, you know, they are they are in a position to be judged. That's part of it. You know, when you're any sort of public figure, like you're going to have people that like you and people that don't. Um, but when we talk about not just their extracurriculars if you will but also just the skill part of it you know people that are like sort of when I've seen people like hate on women's basketball in particular it's like yeah you don't know what you're talking about because you (laughs) you like there's just no way if you think you've played any level close to that you haven't sorry you you haven't unless you're you've (laughs) like it's like, let me know if you've played in like a, a D1 national championship game. Like, just let me know. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I think that plays into it too. But anyway, I'm I'm rambling, but I was no, that's all right. for myself, obviously have not been anywhere near that. But I I like to play, I'm I play beach volleyball pretty competitively. It's kind of a hobby of mine. I play oh. basketball too, uh. but not as much. Um and I get fiery, I get loud, like I I celebrate, right. but I don't usually go to the other person and get in their face. And because um, I just, I guess maybe I'm just too scared that that is going to come back to bite me. Right. Because Well, there, there, there's that. But I also think sometimes too, there's an element of like when you're silent, it's like even more annoying. Mm-hmm. And it, it really depends on the opponent too. I think that's something as an athlete, that you have to know going in, right? my opponent, what's going to rattle them more, me mm. ignoring them and me basically not giving them the time of day or me getting in their face and trash talking them because there are athletes that thrive on either or both. Yep. Like there are some athletes where you're just going to wake up the, you're going to just wake up the beast. You're just yep. going to wake up the monster. So now the, what I'll say about like Caitlin Clark didn't, specifically trash talk angel reese prior
0: no so that was
1: a little like surprising but at the same time um angel reese was in her moment and she would she at that moment had the advantage of like yeah i just won the national championship i just beat your ass and (laughs) so i'm gonna like you know hey like who's on top of the mountain now so you know i get it
0: yeah, that whole you can't see me with uh I believe that was in the Elite Eight game that Caitlin Clark did it, and of course it came back to bite her. But you know, I totally agree with what you said, and I'll try to keep this in a tidy 15 seconds or less. I understand we live in a day and age where yeah. whether it's bat flips, first down calls on the field, athletes are gonna do that. And right, it'd be nice if it would be a thing where act like you've been there before, but mm-hmm. I understand when you're in the moment just like Angel Reese and it's fiery and competitive and you know that you had that advantage, they're going to show their emotion. And in that case it did. So, like you said, there was no right or wrong, but to really crucify her or praise Caitlin Clark, or it was just, it was uncalled for.
1: Well, here's the other thing too. And this is a great teaser for next year. And now I'm really excited. For next year's tournament, I mean, it broke records for viewership this year. I think next year is even going to be through the roof because both these players are coming back, baby. Both of them, (laughs) they're not in the league yet. So, like, this is going to be just build up for for next season. And overall, it's just going to be great. And I just wonder who's going to have the last laugh.
0: Yes. And, uh, yes, we have to wait another calendar year to find out. But, yes, come March of next year, I'm sure everybody's yeah. going to be anticipating to see if LSU and Iowa will, of course, butt heads once again. Yes. All right, a couple of quickies. I want to be mindful of your time. So now from SNY, you're currently at Action Network. And I'm curious to know, was it a thing where it was just time? Did you feel like this opportunity was going to even raise your profile more? Or was it a situation where you just thought, maybe what it is that you wanted to do there at S&Y, and what you did a lot, but you weren't going to get that type of opportunity there than you are here at Action Network.
1: Yeah, for me, it was just all about challenging myself to do something different, um, having an opportunity where this network, Action, they are newer. Um, they've been around for a good five years, um, but you know, not, not as much of a traditional entity. I love the fact that I could come in and really help mold what we're doing here. Mm. Um, I've always been pretty hands-on. I've wondered about my role and my future, and I wouldn't be surprised if I end up trying to do some sort of decision-making role. Um, I, I like that you know, I have a lot of influence here. Um, and I can, like I said, I can, I can really just help shape the content. Um, they're building something and I'm excited to be a part of that and hopefully help just elevate and, and do what I can. Um, so I think that played a role. And then like for me specifically, the challenging part of it, um, you know, I didn't, I guess I just didn't want it's not that I didn't want to. It was just given the two options. I felt like staying in my same role at SNY, I would be doing a lot of the same things um, moving forward in the next couple of years. And um, I felt like it would I, make me more well-rounded to do to do something a little bit different. And um, so I am doing a daily show here Monday through Friday called Green Dot Daily, Action Network locals like a little green dot, so that's where that comes from. Oh, okay. Um, nice. And so it's kind of cool. Like I've never been the regular host of a show before. Like I've always, like we talked about, it, I kind of bounced around. So it's like, okay, this is kind of my show. I'm hosting it. I can sort of they can build around sort of my personality, help give it an identity, and then also there's a podcast network here, and I've always loved this part of it. This like long form conversation. I do kind of miss the radio side of things. I love it. And so I'm like, okay, we're, we're gearing up for, um, taking, uh, their podcasts and, and packaging sort of a WNBA focused podcast. So I'm excited that's in the works. Um, so it was really just like not staying, not being stagnant and, um, forcing myself to just continue to grow. And also like, in the meantime, I'm still going to pursue some other things that I'm interested in on the side, uh, but they they were like flexible with, with all that. And like I said, they just, um, they definitely made me feel like coveted. And uh, I think that played a role too. Oh,
0: well, terrific. And then it's interesting. I actually read uh, an article recently that you were interviewed in. And one of the things that really stuck out as I look at it here. It says that you're not afraid to be uncomfortable, I guess in anything, whether it's business, personal, et cetera. So I'm curious to find out where did that come from?
1: I think it comes from when you're like innately a perfectionist, you're never really comfortable because you're never (laughs) like you want. And I have, I have to work on this. This is like something I need to work on in my life. But like when I do something lately, especially I'm trying not to make perfect the enemy of good. So mm. if I do something really well, I'm trying to not focus on all the little things that I wish I did a little better. I'm I I want to be cognizant of those, but I also want to acknowledge the you know the good things that that I have done and um so, that's part of it. And I also just think in this industry in general, you're not, ne- you can, you're just never really comfortable because um, there's always, you know, there's always, I think if you're the way I've done it anyway, it just always seemed like um, there's always something more. Like you're always like, what's next? What's next? What do I want to do? What do I want to achieve? Um, and that doesn't even necessarily mean like changing jobs or getting a different job or a new job. It, it, it could be within your daily job, you know? your day to day, just, uh, you know, what else can I do? I think pushing, pushing yourself is sort of part of it. Um, and I just, I say all the time, like you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and you know what, maybe it's not even just this industry. Maybe it's just in general to like push yourself to that full potential. It's going to be uncomfortable. Like change is uncomfortable, but like I said, change, um, is where growth happens. And, um, you know, so I think, I think part of it is, I think part of it is innate, maybe most of it. I'm trying to think, I'm like, where else did that come from? And, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure that it, um, it it, maybe there was a recogn like me recognizing that (laughs) and accepting it, but I, I'm not, I'm not sure if there's like a a true source of it beyond just nature.
0: And that's the thing too. Like you said, it is innate and Lord knows for so many years, just trying to hone my craft and do this and think that, Oh, this didn't sound right. or Oh, I Mm -hmm. failed here or whatever. And it's easy to not take a step back and not to say you're going to pat yourself on the back, but even the small victories, we always look at. I say that
1: all the time. Yeah. I literally have a note in my phone that says small victories, like for years because I would try to remember like, okay, I, I did this because I'm sorry to cut you off by the way, but like persistence, I say this too, this is like one of my sayings, like patience, persistence, progress, Hmm. like things are not going to happen overnight. And like, I have dreams that I have yet to achieve that I'm still going to be pushing for, for a long time. And, and you're not a failure in, until you sort of give up on that dream or you and maybe it's not even a failure cuz i think that's harsh i think sometimes dreams change and priorities change and so i want people to understand too that that's okay like if you make a pivot or you try to go after something but you're but your priorities have changed and that's that's like totally fine too but um as long as you're making progress that's a that's a big part of it because you're still move you're moving movement is everything and then um like I said the persistence piece um it's it's like okay I've been told no I've thought that certain things were going to pan out that didn't um and I've learned to like accept those and like okay on to the next and um so it, it I think those are sort of three. Three Ps, three pillars that are, like, important for the journey.
0: Yes, not only professionally, but personally. Because, as we all know, we could have the greatest day on earth, and it could be fantastic. But guess what? With the Lord's will, if you wake up the next morning, you got to do it all (laughs) over again. You got to make sure that you kind of either keep that good momentum going, or even if you get knocked down a peg or two, you have to remember... It's just temporary. We're yes. gonna have to regroup and get back up again and not just sulk or not just say, Oh, you know, woe is me. Yeah. It's very important to uh continue, like you said, to use those three Ps, and that's very important. Yeah. So all right. So let me give you some rapid fire before we a bit ado. Yes. Uh who are some of your, if not one, maybe some, of your biggest influences in life?
1: In life is is hard. I mean, definitely my parents, my siblings, mm-hmm. um, I just, uh, appreciate them all. They're all very different walks of life than what, what I'm doing, but they all have families and, you know, that's, that's like an, a, another whole ball game like that I have <laughs> right. yet to experience. Um, so I respect, I respect that. And, you know, both my parents, like <clears throat> they, they were both athletes, You know, I talked about sort of my dad being involved in sports and having sports radio on when I was growing up. And so that definitely influenced my career in a way. Um, But then the career specific influences, I've just been um, I've been exposed to some of the greats in the industry and for the most part have been met with just um, wonderful uh, experiences and um being given the time of day and so I appreciate them very much and i'll I'll, I'll name a couple of them. I mean Chris Carlin is one mm. um he's been a real career confident confidant, I should say right. for me I, I you know text him for advice all the time um I appreciate that and you know, Michael Kay is another one who I don't even know very well, but every a- interaction we've had, he's just been so gracious. Uh, he would listen. Um, he's dropped me a line from time to time with oh. with kind words. So I like I just appreciate that so much. Mike Breen, like yeah. I. Went up to him at Madison Square Garden. I was covering a game and I just was, I saw him standing nearby. I was just going to introduce myself and he said my name before I could. And I was floored (laughs) that he, you know, would, would remember that. And, you know, same thing has just been so kind. And um, funny enough, Kevin Burkhart is another one who like, I ribbed with him recently. Like I, I subjected him to watching one of my early reels that (laughs) I feel bad (laughs) for. that I had him watch that, but, um, he, and he actually funny enough, he worked at WGHT radio long ago. So funny enough, we both kind of, that's how we first kind of connected. We had that in common. Hmm. Um, and that's just to name a few, but by having those interactions, it's made me sort of realize a new measure of success. Cause it's not just for me, it's not just being, or, attempting to be elite at your craft. It's also, um, paying it forward. It's trying to just, um, make a difference in somebody else's life. If, if you have the, uh, ability to, and so it's something that I've kept in the back of my mind of like, okay, success isn't just making it here. Success is like making it and also just just being kind to people. So, um, I appreciate them. And again, just a few examples of like influences that, um, I want to emulate.
0: No, great answer. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. I mean, those are, like you said, those are some of the giants in their field. whether it's Burkhardt NFL, obviously Mike yeah. Green, Michael K. I mean, geez, that's, uh, that is yeah. definitely some, uh, uh yeah, I've, been lucky. I've
1: been lucky working in New York that I've sort of, you know, crossed paths at times, which was, which was good.
0: Yeah, and also it's funny because I could talk about the New York angle, but again, I'll maybe save that for some other time down the road. Uh, <laughs> as far as a game or yeah. an event, which one would you like to do if this was going to be the last event that you would ever cover?
1: Ooh. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed covering women's college basketball. Mm-hmm. I I did a Final Four last year. I loved it. Could definitely see like a a national championship game. Um, I, I mean WNBA finals would be cool too. Oh, nice. Another one. Okay, this is a little off the rails, but okay. <laughs> I mentioned I like I like to play beach volleyball. That's yeah. like a you know like a hobby of mine. I would love to cover the Olympics. I oh. fell in love with watching um, Olympic beach volleyball years ago. Right. So. Maybe, maybe maybe that um so there's there's a there's a few but i've been i've been lucky like i said i've been lucky enough to cover like a variety of things and <clears throat> so yeah i guess i guess yeah gosh that's tough but <laughs> i gave you a few i gave you a few
0: options no no that's that's fantastic as far as your dream interview this is a two-parter
1: ooh dream interview the
0: person uh that's alive who would you love to interview it doesn't have to be sports either it could be somebody i mean
1: i mean i mean i would really think about it but like the first person that came to mind was like steph curry like
0: oh really okay.
1: so much so much respect for for steph um uh yeah well we'll we'll go or or lebron like <laughs> i mean probably probably one of those two
0: okay now what about someone who's not living if you were able to turn back the clock and just sit face to face across whomever, man or um, woman, I
1: This is again, this is kind of random. Going off of the sports thing, no, that's like, fine. Going away from sports for a second, like I, I thought of like an actor, like Paul Newman. Like mm. I would love to like interview. You know, it's it's funny we brought, we brought up Michael K before. I love Center Stage, and right, yes, and he has interviewed. He has had a chance to sit down and have real sit down conversations with so many different people and like such a range, like between athletes and actors and like, just all like, I think that is like cool as hell. So that's something I would love.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yeah. What about the, let me see. I have two more. Okay. Well, I was going to save this one for last, but, uh, your future. I understand you're at action network. Yeah. If there is a bigger plan, a bigger goal, what would that be?
1: Oh, well, I always say I don't really know until it's staring at me. And I know that kind of sounds nuts, but like, I never, you know, I never like planned necessarily any of those stepping stones that I discussed with you or, you know, along the way, I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to look like until it was presented to me. And so I, I don't, I, so I think that kind of remains to be seen. There's certainly areas that I'm interested in. And, you know, this current chapter at Action Network, I don't even, I mean, this could be sort of the way the industry is changing and, and the way that this company is, is, is changing. I mean, my current role here, um, there's probably potential for growth. And um, so I, I'll have to get back to you on that one. I just think, I just think I'm trying to kind of live in a a, a temporary moment as much as I can and just be kind of open to a lot of different things.
0: All right. And lastly, when you look back from just that teenage girl, when you were in high school to where you are now, what was the biggest thing you've learned in this business? Oh, um, just work, work,
1: work, is everything. I mean, ne- I told you, I talked about networking before. Networking is important, but you have to be able to back up your networking with the real work. And I think the, the work is what shines through. The preparation is what shines through. And also the passion. I like P words today. <laughs> you know, preparation and passion is super important. If you're passionate about it, you're probably going to do a good job because you care. Right. You have to, that's the other thing you I feel like you have to care and I care about everything probably to a fault. I care about the tiniest detail Mm -hmm. on like every show that I do. Um, And I care about the people. I care about the truth. Mm. And that's why I want to make sure I'm presenting context. Um, And like when I interview like athletes or coaches or whatever, like, I really try to think about them instead of me, instead of like, what's convenient for me. I'm always like, I want to be respectful of their time. Like I want to, the, the way that I phrase my questions, I put a lot of thought into it sure. because, I because they're people. And, and um, so I, I just care about making them feel comfortable, making them feel like they can confide. And um, so, yeah, just, uh all those things i know these are supposed to be quick hitters but i'm i i'm <laughs> apparently impossible <for> no <laughs>
0: no it's fantastic that you're expounding on that because even though i know yeah. this is supposed to be rapid fire but
1: yeah there's a
0: lot and can i throw one more p word at you yes oh yes Ooh. that is one i truly believe in
1: you know, it's so funny you say that I'm, I'm I'm, so on the same page with you because I thought about that too. I literally, again, with the notes in the phone, hold on. I, I almost feel compelled that I should pull it up. Oh, please. I, um, let's see if I can search, search it. Um, how the hell do you search on here? And your, I, you know, your
0: iPhone, iPhone. Notes? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess if you go to the, Oh, I got uh,
1: it. I got it. Hold I'll on. Hold on. Uh, his purpose ah okay this is getting deep no i I'm love sharing, it i'm sharing this with you oh I, please. I, I i felt um inspired one day and i wrote this down um to don't steal this anyone out there this is my intellectual property exactly um, to find purpose in life identify the problem in the world that you can help solve
0: mm.
1: so I think the reason I was thinking of that is I w- I was thinking of um my role within the women's basketball space in particular, and feeling like um, and again, the the, the sport's in a great place right now, but maybe five years ago, just feeling like um it maybe in the uh like cultural perspective or perception it. It wasn't getting the respect it deserved. And I felt like part of my purpose, honestly, was to use um, just my position to make sure I was covering it with consistency, with nuance, being thorough with it, and identifying opportunities that other people maybe were overlooking or were they were afterthoughts. And saying, hey, this is an opportunity where we need to cover this um, and just being creative. And uh, that is, I think, a a, a section of my purpose.
0: That's a good way to land this plane, that's for sure. And trust me, I could talk a lot about purpose, a lot of life, and that's a whole other podcast that has nothing to do with sports. but. I love the vibe. I love where you're coming from, Maria. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, All the best there at Action Network for many years to come and for whatever you do. And maybe another P word down the road would be pivot. So, but that's not for today. That's for another time.
1: Lots of of pivoting. Hold on. Let's recap all the P words. We got (laughs) patience, persistence, progress, passion, preparation, purpose, and make sure you pivot when you need to. Right. right. (laughs) And one last
0: thing I will say on a scale of one to 10, you were a 10 as far as your performance. All right.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad we could do this.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, Maria. (music) Thanks again to Maria Marino for joining us here. What a pleasure it was to have her on as we, had discussed various things, as you heard, just to get into her broadcasting journey and for her to share her experience with me and trusting her story with me. It's an honor and certainly just goes a long way as to why I do what I want to do and love to do when it comes to hosting this podcast and being able to have guests come on to be able to talk about not only just what's going on in sports, but even in a case with Maria, Her entire journey dating back to high school to where she is now. And who knows where she's going to head after that, as you heard just a few minutes ago. And people, this is why I stress what I stress at the end of every podcast. If you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on wherever you get your podcast. Throw me a few stars, write a review, because not only is it going to increase the visibility so people could know who J Reels is and more so the podcast. Because for those out there who are looking for some good content, whether it comes to credible, informative sports talk, and especially to have interviews like this with the broadcaster or studio host, the former current athlete, blogger, you name it, I want to cover it all. And the only way that by getting the word out other than by yours truly doing it is to have the assistance from you guys and gals. So please... If you could do that, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. Pass it on to the sports fan in your life, friends, foes, I don't care. As long as you get the word out, I would one more time sincerely appreciate that. If you want to hit me up on any of my socials, you could do so at the following on YouTube, at JReels, on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, the J Reels Podcast, Twitter, JReels1, just the number. And if you want to hit me up, via DM on the aforementioned social media accounts or by email, you could go to the Podcast at gmail.com. I'll be more than happy to follow up with you guys and gals. And then lastly, if you want to contribute to this endeavor, you could do so by going to my Patreon page, P as in Paul, A-T as in Tom, R-E-O-N, as in nancy.com slash Podcast. Whatever you want to put forth goes 100% to this endeavor, whether it be the upkeep of the website, the equipment, anything and everything that surrounds what it is that I do Speaking into this microphone, coming in through your earbuds, headphones, or speakers, because whether you do do not know, this is what I love to talk about people. It's in the blood. It's in the DNA. I've been talking sports pretty much since birth. It's something that I just can't shake as much as I want to avoid it, or I could, even if I try to avoid it, I can't because it's been in the blood. One more time, if you haven't heard the passion and the fire, the fury and energy, whether it be, maybe not today, because... I was in interview mode, but when you've listened to the podcast every Monday and Thursday, then either I need to speak louder or I need to increase the intensity level or maybe I'm just going to have to continue to be me and do what I do to make you guys and gals come back not only on a bi-weekly basis, but for the months and God willing years to come. Because whether it be that passion, fire, fury, and energy that I deliver to discuss anything and everything, that happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, to Southeast, to South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels podcast, on the flip, baby.